Welcome to PNCC Speak, the language of executives. I'm Nell McCormack Abom, alongside my co-host, Jim Hohen, Central Pennsylvania Regional President of PNC Bank. Thanks, Nell. It's great to be here. PNCC Speak, the language of executives, is a podcast that features local executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge-sharing platform showcases leaders with forward-thinking approaches that disrupt the status quo and cause us to think differently. Our guest today is Roxana Gapster, president and CEO of WellSpan Health, headquartered in central Pennsylvania, with 2,000 physicians, eight hospitals, 220 patient care locations, and approximately 20,000 employees. She holds a doctorate in nursing, so I guess I should have said Dr. Gapster. Uh, welcome so much to see speak today. It's so great to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Nell and Jim. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you joined WellSpan in 2019, and I think we all got a big present, but you specifically with the pandemic that hit as we entered in at the end of 19 and entered into 2020. Obviously, there is no greater disruptor that we've seen in the last half century or more, and especially in the healthcare sphere. Can you walk us through a little bit about how that affected WellSpan and not only your crisis management, but as you went through to keep things going and, and look forward? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think there's no time like a crisis to learn that you need to function as a system and work together. And so I will say one of our values at WellSpan is working as one, and the pandemic really tested that value. And I'm so proud of the 20,000 team members, um, our physicians and our leaders, because people did what needed to be done at the time. Um, And that included everything from caring for people who had COVID to vaccination to testing sites um, and really supporting the public health system which in, in our counties uh, is, is not as present as some other places in Pennsylvania. So, so that was one thing, was, was working together. What we learned from the pandemic was uh, a tremendous amount. And so there's always a silver lining in every crisis. And some of those learnings included supply chain diversification. Uh, we've completely changed our supply tra- chain strategy since the pandemic uh, began, and we now buy much more locally. Uh, from local farmers um, in terms of food, but also from other products. And working together with our manufacturers during the pandemic was really eye-opening. And uh, we learned that we were fortunate to be in a manufacturing community during that time because people were able to provide hand sanitizer to us and other products that places across the U.S. couldn't get. So supply chain was a big learning. But also just the, the flexibility of being able to flex staff, supplies, uh, everything across all of our sites as a system. And then, of course, the virtual health explosion, which I'm sure you've both heard about. Absolutely. And that we experienced. Yeah. You know, as patients. Yeah. That's there was right. telemedicine. I mean, you know, it used to Absolutely. be in the remoter, part, more remote parts of Pennsylvania, but now it was how you received health care. That's right. Yeah. Without telemedicine, I don't think we would have been able to provide very good care to our communities. So uh, things like being able to manage diabetes or hypertension, you know, those remote visits, even for home home care and cardiac rehab and physical therapy, uh, people were having remote visits. It was pretty exciting to see it. Yes. So how did how did staff hold up? And I know there was just great trauma, not only to the patients, but the, but to the staff itself. Yeah, that's a great question. So WellSpan's fortunate to have as part of our organization uh, a part called Philhaven. It's a behavioral health organization, one of the largest in the U.S. actually. And so our Philhaven team members, including our psychologists and counselors and psychiatrists, 
had a special support approach for the rest of our team members and for themselves during the pandemic. So we had on-site counselors at all of our hospitals. Um, We had peer drop-in sessions virtually, and we touched, we figured we touched every single team member throughout the couple years where we were really intensely caring for patients. That made a huge difference for us. Uh, Despite that, there's still a lot of burnout in healthcare, as you both know, and a lot of challenges for people who've experienced the pandemic in ways that maybe the rest of us didn't. Because remember, at the beginning of this whole thing, some people um, were very worried about infecting their families. They were sleeping in their basements and keeping away from their kids. Uh, So just a lot of different things that I think our frontline care teams went through that maybe others haven't. I, I was curious, too, about the being the CEO. You're, you were only a year into this job, but talk specifically about going through a crisis like that and where you looked for leadership mentoring. In other words, you had never faced a pandemic before. You have 20,000 employees, these these hospitals, and it's a system. It's, it's a whole health system, literally from cradle to grave. You're providing health care through WellSpan. How did you manage it personally as a CEO faced with that challenge for your dynamic healthcare organization? Oh, gosh, that's really that's a great question. Now, now you're going to make me self-examine. Gosh, <laughs> um, you know. I would say my board of directors was a tremendous support to me. My board chair and and all of my board were pretty much willing to step up and do whatever needed to be done. And I remember our very first emergency board meeting after we found out the pandemic was beginning and how supportive they were. Because, you know, if you think about it, if you don't have the support of your board um, as a community nonprofit, then, you know, you're you're going to struggle. So uh, that was one thing that was helpful. But our our senior team is an amazing team of people. They are a mix of clinical and business people, and they pulled together like nothing I've ever seen. Um, For the first four months of the pandemic, I think we all worked seven days a week, uh, including weekends, and we were on command center calls and doing whatever needed to be done. We were rounding with teams on sites at hospitals, uh, going into intensive care units and just trying to support our teams as best we could. Were there moments where you literally felt as a leader, I'm not sure what the right step is here. And how did you finally make the decision? What what did you lean on the most? Mm I would say we leaned on our on our senior team, but we also looked outside of ourselves. We connected with other health systems across the country because, as you remember, the waves were coming in at different times for different parts. So it was helpful to hear from those who had been in New Jersey and New York, hey, this is what happened when we had our big wave. Um, this is what we did. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. Um, so having that external and internal partnership, I think, was critical. So not only did you meet the needs of the community, but it sounds like you've come out of this on the other side. Let's hope that this is the other side, but you've come off on the other side stronger. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. We learned how to be more nimble and flexible, and I don't think those are words people usually associate with healthcare. <laughs> exactly right. right. Uh, we did things so quickly. So the day that uh, the vaccine arrived in the state of Pennsylvania, we knew that we had to start vaccinations the next day. Our IT team 
built the scheduling system that evening and we started signing people up and we had 50,000 people signed up by the next morning. That is not something that we would have done the year before that, right? So yeah, you have to rise awesome. to that challenge. You really do, especially when Absolutely. people's lives are on the line with what you're doing. Yeah. One of the things that really stands out to me and I think is, is really cool is you have a doctorate in nursing and you started as a nurse. That's really frontline delivery. We think about it. The doctor comes in and he or she tells you what's, you know, the diagnosis is. But then the rest of the time, you're being treated by a nurse. What is it about that background of directly caring for patients do you bring to the mindset of leadership as CEO of this health system? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think as a nurse, and hopefully most nurses would say this, we learn leadership skills in our training. And in fact, the the last part of your training as a four-year nurse um, or as a three-year nurse is um, leadership. And so your last, I'll call it the elective rotation, is really about learning how to lead a team of nurses, um, lead a unit, uh, lead a lead a couple of departments even. And so uh, I think nurses have great leadership skills. We often apply them at the bedside and in the clinical arena, but those skills can also translate to business and to other areas. Give us an idea of that, though. When we say leadership mm-hmm. skills, how do you define that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I bet Jim's got a different maybe definition than you do, because yeah. it is very individual. But what yeah. works for you and what did they teach you yeah. is the true meaning of a leader. Yeah. Well, for me, management and leadership are a little bit different. You know, management's kind of making order out of chaos and making sure there's standards and, and standard work. Leading, I think, is really about inspiring and motiv- motivating people to achieve goals. And so, you know, when you're in nursing and you've got a 12-hour shift ahead of you and you might have some some different kind of clinical challenges for that shift, how do you motivate that team of people to get things done safely and together so that the patients get the best care? It's not that different if you think about it from um, big system. I mean, you certainly have to scale those ideas and scale the way that you do it. But those are often some of the same skills and talents that we use. And what people call soft skills, I think, are often so much more important in leadership because it's about motivating people. You know, it, it strikes me is that during the pandemic, especially, you know, people leaned in to fill, you know, into that white space of the gaps, especially some folks were working virtually. Many were working incredible shifts. But that culture of doing what's necessary seems to be something that's really came to the surface at Wellspan. Yeah, it, it really did. I think in healthcare in general, a lot of healthcare professionals are very caring people. They went into that profession for a reason, and they do tend to do what's needed, um, sometimes to the detriment of themselves, you know. And we, we've talked about burnout a little bit a few minutes ago, but that, that is a real problem for, for all care team members, I think. One of the unique aspects of healthcare is it's both competitive in amongst systems, but it's also collaborative. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, you talked about the, the New York, New Jersey, learning some of the lessons, but some of that broader, let's get this right for the entire community, state, if not country first, and then we'll worry about, you know, our individual uh, uh, success later. Can you speak about some of the collaboration? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly during the pandemic, all of the health systems across the state and in South Central Pennsylvania collaborated together. We talked about setting up extra sites together, how we would staff them, sharing supplies. We transferred patients back and forth to make sure patients got the very best care. But, you know, we do some of that stuff normally anyway. So although we're good competitors, and I always am one 
who believes that your competitors make you better. Uh, you know, we still collaborate as well. And sometimes we talk about coopetition. So in one county, <laughs> maybe we're competitors. I like that. Yeah. Co-opetition. Co-opetition. You know, in another county, we might actually have programs that we fund together. So No, that's really, I was going to say, now are the gloves off? Now that, as, as Jim said, I don't know if we're really out of this pandemic yeah. or not. Uh, and that even the, the CDC doesn't agree with uh, President Biden or whatever. But if you think about it, is that over now? Because when we talk to, about a hyper-competitive healthcare market now, that's what central Pennsylvania is in. There are acquisitions, mergers, all kinds of things happening. Competition from the west to the east, from the north to the south, etc., What's that like, and is it now back to we're out for every single patient we yeah. can get and every top-level physician? That's that's a good question. You know, I think that all of us believe that keeping patients in our network and providing that continuum of care is going to provide the best care for a patient. However, if you actually visited our clinics and our specialists in any of the health systems today, you would see that they have a variety of physicians and APPs taking care of them, right? And some of the some of the physicians What's an APP? Oh, advanced practice provider. Oh, okay. Like, like, what does that mean? That would mean like a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant. Gotcha. Yep. So, so you would see that people have a variety of physicians in different systems caring for them. They're they're not all the same, you know. So you you might think, oh, that's a WellSpan primary care patient. All their physicians must be WellSpan. Not necessarily. And so our care teams are dealing with that every day. We want to give the best care. Do the systems, the -the behind-the-scenes systems, the electronic medical records, do they all talk to each other? They do now, yeah. Yeah. Now, when I say talk to each other, we have something called Care Everywhere, and you can generally see a lot in Care Everywhere, even if you're not in the exact same record. So most things are available for for care teams to see. One of of the things that that I know is that you and WellSpan are at the forefront of, like, the next wave of health care. Can you speak a little bit about under your leadership of how you're reimagining the healthcare experience for patients and maybe some of the partnerships? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so during the pandemic, we did a bunch of work uh, together with our teams on how we provide care in different locations. And one of those was in the home. And as you guys talked about earlier, you know, having telemedicine and all those things were really important, especially when people were afraid they might get an infection if they came into the doctor. So we were providing some hospital-level care even at home with our home care nurses, remote monitoring, those kinds of things. So that that was innovative. But then we thought about, okay, so 5 or 10 or 15 years from now, how will people want to get care? And so we have three new partnerships, actually, that we think are helping to accelerate the innovation within WellSpan. Um, the first of those is with a, a national organization uh, owned by health system investors called Truveta, which is a data aggregator, and it's aggregated more than 120 million medical records. Large life sciences companies are using that data to submit vaccine information to the FDA and other things. And our own researchers can use that information to provide better care to patients. So that's that's really exciting. We also have a new partnership with Rite Aid, just in our own service area here. Exciting because um, Hayward Donegan, who's the C- CEO there, and myself and our teams have some really interesting visions about how we can um, accelerate innovation using both the pharmacy model within Rite Aid and our care team model. So how can we close care gaps together? 
How can, when WellSpan patients come in to get their medication, how can we make sure they actually could afford their medication, they actually picked it up, and they actually took it, right? And just who drives that, for instance? Is it Rite Aid coming to you because they're in a competitive environment, especially with things like, I'll just say, express scripts where people can get it now mailed to them. But did they drive that or did you drive that in, in looking at what would work best for your health system? You know, I think... I think we might have gone to them after we heard about their new pharmacy model and their new pharmacist model. So we thought, oh, that could really work well for our patients. Uh, and then we have some ideas about branding in their stores, about how we can help patients choose healthcare products. Because you know how when you're a new mom and you're thinking, I need to buy a breast pump or I need to buy this for my baby, but you're you're thinking, does my would my doctor really recommend that one or that one or what's the best thing? So we're going to do some of that kind of work together mm-hmm. with Rite Aid as well. That sounds good. Yeah. You were, will we, I kind of cut you off That's from okay. talking a little bit about um, the kinds of partnerships. You, so you mentioned the retail yeah. and the data uh, yeah. sort of integrated data system. Yes. Uh, what's another example of a partnership that you're excited about? You said there were three different yeah. things. Yeah. So General Catalyst is a venture capital company nationally that works with health systems uh just brand new on, on a model they call the health assurance model, which is sort of uh, healthcare without a location, uh, healthcare without a zip code, meaning sort of that digital experience, that virtual experience, and how do you integrate that and develop like an ecosystem platform for people to access. So we're excited to work with some of the best health systems in the country, actually, in a very small group. There's only 10 of us um, developing this ecosystem model. So, I love that. An ecosystem of healthcare. So we're moving from an era of service, care based on what is happening, to looking at the forefront. So I think we're, we're beginning to get that crest of the evolution of healthcare. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to be really different the next 10 years, guys. It's, it's, it's exciting to think about. Well, for for businesses that offer health care to their employees, for instance, they're thinking about it, too, because it's, it's a huge cost driver, uh, the expense that they have to pay for their health care insurance as a benefit. But what do you want to tell them? What would you say to other business leaders about what to expect and the impact that could have on their recruitment of talent and also on just generally how this community that we have here in central Pennsylvania is growing to grow as a result of the changes that are coming. Yeah, well, my my hope and, and the reason that our partnerships are focused with these three organizations is that we need use data uh, better to drive affordability and to drive the experience. So um, we use Clayton Christian's innovation model, and I'm you've probably heard of it. It's called I, the I, jobs I to be done theory. And, you know, we all have jobs to be done in our lives, right? Our patients and consumers have jobs to be done. And as a healthcare system, we need to be able to support the job that you need done right, that you're looking to do? Do you need your kids physical done? Do you need um, a wellness? Do you need to lose weight? Do you need to stop smoking? Um, We've done that in a very fragmented fashion, I think, in the past, and it hasn't been very personalized. It's been sort of just pushed out in in mass. We think personalization is going to be really important. Think about how personalized your experiences are with a lot of your other industries, with Amazon, with online shopping. But you know what? I have a little bit of an alarm bell going off. I don't know if you do, Jim, too, because I know how tightly and securely banking looks at data and with all the (laughs) ransomware and all those other things happening. Yeah. Are you making sure patient, how do you make sure patient data is protected? Yeah, that's a really great question. When you start integrating these data systems. Well, as you know, health systems are probably one of the most highly regulated, very similar to banking. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have all kinds of protections for that. Yeah. Yeah. And we follow 
all those regulations and rules and federal guidelines whenever we're thinking about any partnerships or whenever we're thinking about personalization. You know, Nell so. and I were talking earlier, even with all the advents of yeah. technology, and it's truly exciting as we move forward. Yeah. People are still at the forefront. They are. And I know Nell was, we were talking a little bit about this, about you know, really the people side in, in terms of the flow of the next wave of medical providers, whether it be at the nurse side or the practical or physician. Can you talk about how it is that we're getting the resources that are necessary back into the system? Yeah, so pipeline, really important for all of us, I think. Um, at WellSpan, we have many educational partnerships and some of our own internal training programs as well. So we've expanded during the pandemic all of our own internal training programs. As you can imagine, the need for healthcare professionals is is great. I also well, think, in fact, just yeah. to interrupt you for yeah. a sec, yeah. studies show that one in five healthcare professionals left. That doesn't mean they left healthcare altogether. Some of them went to travel nursing programs, for instance. So they're still in it, but they didn't want that kind of daily employment situation that tied them into it. Uh, so just as you're answering that question, how are you addressing burnout and that talent recruitment, which is what you were getting to? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've, we've changed a lot of our programs to offer more support. So as we bring folks in, we have longer residencies, longer mentorships, longer training to give people the support that they need. Um, we're also thinking through, you know, what are the flexibilities that we can offer as an organization? Because sometimes people leave because they really, you know, I think the pandemic showed us that we can do more remotely and we can do more in a more flexible manner for a lot of different businesses. So 10% of our employees are remote now. Um, that would have never happened before. It would have probably taken what, as many years. What do you years. think it was? Was it 1% before or was it was it non-existent? It was almost non-existent in healthcare. Hmm. Yeah. I think we were probably behind most other industries, you know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you kind of, when your health is there, you want someone hands-on. Right. Like you kind of want the doctor. I get that way sometimes when I go and they say, you're going to talk to the physician's assistant. I want the person with the MD or DO. <laughs> I, I don't want that person looking at me, but that's not that's not necessarily how it works, which gets me to a management question yeah. and a leadership question. Uh, when you were a nurse, you literally knew on the hallway, you would walk those halls, what was going on. How do you as CEO in a system with all of those institutions you have you know, 20,000 employees. How do you keep touch with what's really happening with the delivery of healthcare throughout your system? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I'm a rounder. I love to be with teams. So I do a lot of rounding and shadowing, probably about eight to 12 hours a month, honestly. And the other thing is you have to have a great leadership team. So we have great leaders at WellSpan at all levels. I could not do it without them. Uh, but I, I go out and I um, trust but verify now, right? <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great what a, a diplomacy yeah. method, too. Yeah. Trust but verify. That's right. That's right. You know, beyond, once again, I think one of the things is Nell and I were looking at WellSpan is it's fascinating is you're moving more and more into the public health space. And it, it is things like sustainability and climate change, which we wouldn't think would be necessarily aligned with the local healthcare system. But it is with WellSpan. Can you talk a little bit more about that with us? Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we're just really getting into a sustainability initiative at WellSpan in the last year or so. Uh, we already won our first award, which we're really excited about at Good Samaritan Hospital. Um, and we have a few focus areas. We really want to decrease our carbon footprint, but we, we need to leverage more things like just simple recycling. Um, and just an example, in operating rooms, we have so much wrap 
um, sterile wrap that we really, all of us, and I would say this to all my fellow health systems, we all should be recycling that stuff. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to decrease carbon footprint in healthcare, and we all need to do our part. And how does that affect health directly? Because living here in central Pennsylvania, unfortunately, we know that studies show we have poor air quality. Those air index days stay inside, as particularly in the summer when the ozone is bad. How does the effort you make at WellSpan make a difference potentially on public health and which kind of uh, illnesses. And why is that important for other businesses to realize as well? Yeah, well, that's one of the things we talk to our teams about actually now when we're doing sustainability is we say, why would we even want to do this in the first place? And it's because, as you guys know, pollution, um, all those things affect illnesses like asthma. Um, they can make it much worse. Um, even gases in the OR, so everyone gets a little anesthesia, right, when they go in the OR, those gases escape some of them go through vents, but some of them go into the room. And there are certain gases that are more harmful than others. So we're working on using the ones that are less harmful. So are, are these environmental, social, corporate governments, ESG, that we've all heard about so yeah. much, do they become important to your employee base as well in terms of that holistic you know, model of not only is it the right thing to do, but it's also important to your employees. It is. I, I would say to you that the communications I've put out on sustainability to our team members have been some of the most popular. I get the most emails back. People are really excited that we're working in that space. It's a great engagement tool. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the mental health stress that's on healthcare providers, and uh, it's there always. It was exaggerated and um, just on a much grander scale during the pandemic, but it's always there. And uh, you're dealing with people not at their best moments when you don't feel well and their relatives uh, are visiting their rooms and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just curious, what do you personally do to maintain your mental health, your physical well-being, just your emotional balance? What do you do to relax and make sure you're in peak condition to perform? Oh, gosh. Well, um, a long time ago, I started managing my energy instead of managing my time. Because when you have roles like this, and I think you all know, um, time is generally not your own. And I have a lot of evening commitments and daytime commitments and early morning commitments because of the the job that I do. And so I know what's really important to me in my life. Generally, it's my family. And I love being out in nature. And so I always make sure that I take some time every day and every week to make sure I'm connecting with my family in a really meaningful way, but then also spending time outside. I love to hike and, and all of that kind of stuff. So. And we live in central Pennsylvania, which, Jim, I you know. know. It's you're, beautiful. you're a big golfer, but you also get out there and hike. Oh, and you bet. Else. And I think yeah. that's one of the common themes amongst our discussions is that, you know, effective leaders have to make sure they make time to take care of themselves or else they're not going to be effective leaders. That's right. That's absolutely right. And I also think that Nell and I would both re be remiss if we didn't thank you, really all your WellSpan employees, and really all the folks of the healthcare systems across South Central Pennsylvania, because the amazing work that you all did in terms of working with the patients and getting us all through this pandemic, our appreciation is with you and all of your staff. Uh, it's just amazing, amazing work that took place. Oh, absolutely, thank you. seriously, we salute all of them. Thank you. I know they all appreciate that. Well, that has to wrap up another episode here. And I want to thank you so much for joining us, Roxanne. You have been terrific with your insights. I'm Neil McCormack-Abom. 
And I'm Jim Hohen, and this is C-Speak, the language of executives. Our guest today was Roxana Gepster, president and CEO of Wellspan Health. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of PNC C-Speak. You can find more episodes of C-Speak at witf.org slash C-Speak and on your favorite podcast platforms. And remember, Roxana's advice, practice co-opetition. Thanks so much. <laughs>